podcast for another very special episode mm. sometimes rod and i wonder um you know i know what it's like when i listen to other people's podcasts and the, and some, some professional of them I, I have a very special connection with and it, and it makes you know it brings some light into my day and sometimes mm. i wonder what the experience the under the bar listener is having right now as we mm. as we start this mm. this thing journey we're very lucky you know there are people out there that tune in regularly well, regularly and, well, and if it wasn't for them i don't know what we do well look we'd probably still do what we do mm. um you know maybe it uh it would just it would on the the editing floor it would just stay down there just Tom. stay down the there. reels yeah we'll be clambering over all the reels when we come into the uh studio but uh no we are uh maybe we don't give the the, the guys and girls out there enough I don't think we do. Shout out! I don't think we do. And no, I think I think we had some sort of uh, we question. Had some, we had a question. If it wasn't for that, I would have totally forgotten this. Yes. So this is that's how we roll. This is from Chin. Chin is a strength and conditioning coach in Singapore. And, female. Uh, Chin. It could be female. She could be hot. <laughs> hey Chin, if you're hot, hi. It's ordered. <laughs> uh, uh, if you're a dude, I, I you know you're hot, dude. I'm down with that too. Whatever. Yeah. Yep. Nothing okay. wrong with that. Uh, hi, Tom and Rawdon. Well, hello, Chin. My name is Chin, and I am a listener over here in Singapore. Thank you for all the podcasts to date. Oh, no, no worries, mate. Please keep up with the brilliant quality of content. <laughs> Chin, what are you <laughs> talking about? Man, is he talking? What he's probably talking, talking about, about Joe Rogan okay, or something. Yeah. I have an athlete that is currently based in Perth uh -huh. and is looking to add some quality supplements to her hectic schedule. Life and training. Mm -hmm. Well, the the athlete is female, Rodin, so you might want to well, get in, get in there and yeah. Uh, there's no name left, so we'll just hello just loosen Perth, a few uh, things Perth up. Based female. There has been mention of a supplement company on the UTB podcast. It sounds like Sabido. 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 Because every time we say Sabido, we go Sabido. Mm -hmm. That was uh, a very good. Uh, uh, description there but yeah Sabido my Google my Google search of various permutations of this <laughs> came up with everything except a nutritional supplement company uh -huh. would you mind sharing the correct spelling of the company yeah. and directing me to the website slash Facebook etc of this brand thank okay. you best regards Chin right 
Alright, well, first thing, why don't we get Cam to just open up Sabido on his, because uh, we've got a Wookiee in studio, he can find out the exact, or do you know off the top of your head, the the uh, website? Well, well, let's just initially, first well, things why, first. Don't, why don't we spell Sabido? So, Sabido is spelled S-U-B-I-T-O. <laughs> now, for our listeners, Tom did actually write that down. I wrote just that double down. Just double check. Cross reference, and from as far as I understand, Sabido is Italian for rapid. Yeah, it, uh, it is something uh, swanky. Yeah, I think that's what it is. So Sabito, Sabito, Sabito. Immediate. Oh, we got Cam, our Wookie, and what uh, is it, Cam? Immediately. 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 Italian for immediately. That'd be immediately. Right. Like immediately that, get results, perhaps. That way, hydrolyze. I mean, it's it's immediately immediate. into the bloodstream, out of the gut, into the bloodstream. Uh-huh. The, the EAAs do that too, and the fast carbs. Fast carbs, Oof. exactly. Straight through. Um, and so you just look, if you Google Sabito supplements, uh, I believe and that. spell that again, Tom. Is S U B I T O. Sabito. Yep. Sabito. See, that's what's throwing him, Tom. I know. Sabito. 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 Just protein, mate. Sabito. It's protein. 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 So, uh, yes, that's okay. that. So. Does that answer? I think so. I think that probably. I uh, think there'll be some supplements there that could be appropriate yeah, for his, yeah, his yeah. Uh, female, they hot female client in Perth. Hot, high performance <laughs> supplements. Hot, high performance <laughs> supplements. You yeah, bet. Yeah. Okay, so that's that. We're happy with okay, that. Good. Done. That's, that's done. next. Next, uh, our guest today on the podcast ah. is our regular friend and industry not a foe uh, extraordinaire it's not a foe a lucid luke tullock lucid so, sorry, sorry, not sorry, lucid sorry. anymore mates flex now of uh, flex success yes groundskeeper lizzie, willie lizzie dean alan dalton the good crew. team yep and good there's crew. some some crazy dude from uh, the netherlands or something with a big viking like beard he looks uh, apparently i spoke to dean sorry if he's listening <laughs> i don't remember his name but yep. uh a really interesting looking cat from overseas and um I gather he's uh, as enthusiastic and passionate about health and fitness as the rest of the team. So, yeah, if it, anyone wants to check it out, like go on to Flex uh, yeah, Instagram or, or Facebook pages, Flex Success, and you'll see this guy. He's a, he's a, you, you'll love it. This is like Groundskeeper Willie is pretty wild. This guy yes. looks like a. Like almost like a, a equivalent to Groundskeeper Willie. He's quite jacked, big fire red beard. Oh, nice. Yeah. Crazy looking dude. But, Excellent. Uh, another one to the team. So, uh, Luke Tullock is on the show yeah, today. Yeah, to Luke talking some more uh, physiology based content we're yes. looking at a study that was done yeah. basically mm, around mm, adaptive mm. thermogenesis yes Rawdon do you have the details of the study there that you can just uh, overview for our wow. uh, listener so the, if, the, if they do want to check it out it's uh, constraint uh, this is in PubMed if they go into PubMed the, uh, the database the um, constrained total energy expenditure and metabolic adaptation to physical activity in adult humans Ponce, uh, 2016 but if you punch that in uh, and I think that was the one remember I said it was this guy but so yeah. anyway uh, Luke sent it through to us uh, but that is uh, if they want to see the, the meat and nuts of it but um, I don't worry with the meat and nuts of studies I no. just uh, go straight to the conclusion straight to the conclusion yes. or I'll just I'll ask Luke and yeah, you know exactly that's good enough for me but a really interesting, Luke will uh, break it down, won't get mm. too much away in this intro, but yes. really fascinating, and it's essentially, I, I guess, how the body will adapt, adaptive thermogenesis, yes. to utilizing less energy than what it actually needs due mm. to a certain environment or a certain scenario. And you yes. have something firsthand with one of, your, uh, one of the guys you are involved with? Yes, mate. And this is... Um, 
the timing very synchronistic for this. So Organic. basically, client going to run the city to surf uh-huh. in I don't know maybe it's six seven weeks. Yep, uh, has been doing a little bit of running just once a bit week. Of training resistance training yep. is the bulk of his uh, is the bulk of his domain. That's um, the meat and nuts. That's the meat and nuts. Uh, a little bit of sprafter on the side. He's doing uh-huh. some running, so he does one run a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, fit healthy guy starting off with 7Ks and he's got this app which tracks your run, it tracks your heart rates, it tracks your... He's got some sort of sensor that he's wearing as well. Some, sort of, some sort of yep. watch or sensor. It gives you a breakdown of the the fastest K you did, the split of Ks, your fastest running pace, your highest heart rate. It gets all that data mm-hmm. and, um, and to they the data. probably sell it off to insurance companies yes. to determine what premiums uh-huh. to uh, to sell you. Okay, but uh, it also gives um, calories expended for the run. Okay, which and who knows how accurate this stuff is, but so it's based on heart rate, that type of stuff. I'm exactly. assuming and speed, b- body weight, body mass, and yep. all that kind of stuff. He did a seven k run in week one and burnt five hundred and sixty calories. Okay. Yep. He, d- he did the same. That's about right. He did. Yeah. yeah nice. Mm-hmm. He did the same run again the following Wednesday. Mm-hmm. He did it slightly faster. Okay. So a few more calories burnt. Well, you would assume so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it slightly faster, but he had, a sl- I think, a slightly lower max heart rate mm-hmm. for the run. It's a little um, lighter on the scales as well. He, maybe. he had dropped maybe five hundred grams scale weight, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, calories from uh, five hundred and sixty down to four hundred and ninety. That's so a it's, bit less. it's a bit less. It's a little bit less. Now, this is an individual who's obviously quite fit. The adaptation to even just the running technique and mm, trying to mm, be more mm, efficient mm, with mm, what mm, he's mm, doing. Mm, yep. But Movement it's just efficiency. A, a very interesting example, Rawdon, right there. The, the diminishing returns yes. with cardiovascular training, if you're basically using it for the, for the fat S- loss method. Sole purpose, yeah. The sole purpose of manipulating energy reserves, because essentially you're trying to burn energy which you could have just not eaten in the first place. Yes. Now, he's obviously trying to get a cardiovascular performance outcome yes. so calories is secondary doesn't really bother him yep. but it's a nice example of mm. you know over time if he gets really really good at running and that running technique gets even yes. tighter and he gets fitter and more efficient and that 7k's is just a breeze how few <coughs> calories he might actually expend over time doing that process especially if he was in a coinciding that with energy restriction over time as well like absolutely it, it, it would uh get some you would think some uh, adaptation that's sort of what uh, Luke is going to talk about which mm. is absolutely fascinating I will before we go to Luke I will say this is something that I spoke about with uh, Menno I think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with Mr. Henselman's there's yeah. a few good uh, podcasts uh, there's a few with us as well but there's certainly a few good ones out there you could listen to Menno on mm. I suggest you do but uh, we were talking about um, uh, I think he called it the cell studies. Don't quote me on that one, but but I think it was called the cell study. And, and what it is, it's a new study. They looked at the big meta-analysis and uh, long story short, because I said, yeah, cool, man, just tell me what it means. And um, and he's, he was suggesting that they, the greater evidence-based uh, scientific community, is, is suggesting that BMR multiplied by 2.5 seems to be the upper threshold of output you can go to after which it starts to become constrained so it, it it's not you can't just keep doing more and more and more and that would make from an evolutionary standpoint make perfect sense and this this what luke will talk about is this two groups one that does a ton of activity and one that doesn't and the one that does a ton doesn't burn tons more energy it's, it's no. had some sort of adaptation and yes uh, probably they they've reached that point where it's that 2.5 or beyond 
uh, times BMR. So say, for example, how do you work that out? And, and yes. does it have merit and carry over to what we're doing? Probably for Gen Pop, not so much. Like it's to, to actually exceed that 2.5 times. And this is just in output. So not, I'm not talking about energy in, I'm just talking about doing more and more cardio. So eating the same or doing whatever, doing more and more and more and more training, it'll only get you to a point where past that point it starts to become constrained and you get less and less return on investment. Yeah. So it's sort of, uh, you know, those fitness bunnies that we, we all sort of reference and, you know, we, we see them doing hours and like five hours of cardio a day on, on you know, 300 calories a day and it's like, oh my God, they're still, they're still relatively out of shape. Like they're not shredded by any stretch of the imagination mm. i mean that would be a good example of where you do see it sometimes in physique prep you might actually come across it where you are pushing the energy output higher and higher to, to achieve more body composition change so i think it has merit with uh being mindful of how high you can actually prescribe uh that energy output so for example say and this is bmr so sedentary hospital bed that number yep. not the times that by your okay your three to five uh, sessions a week multiplied by that number uh uh-uh. that first number that you get so for someone that say had a 2000 BMR that means it could be 2.5 times that so mm-hmm. it's 5000 calories yeah yep. so two so half would be a thousand so two and a half times that so basically 5000 total combined output so you get your daily activity, you multiply 2,000 by 1.3 or 4, whatever it is. You put your training sessions in, that adds more onto it. So you can see 5,000 is a fair few calories, you know. Yes. Like 2,000 BMR, there might be around 3,000 on a rest day, you know, maybe, you know, around. Well, you're starting to get up there. Then you train, yeah. you're probably 3,9, 3,8, 3,9 for a training day, depending on what sort of training you're doing. Chuck in an hour's cardio, maybe that's another four or 500 calories. Now you're starting to get close to that. But then there's metabolic adaptation, there's this, this uh, mm. you know, movement efficiency that's going to start creeping up when we get better. So that brings that output down a little bit. But yep. you can see how you could be pushing up into that upper bracket potentially in that scenario. But what if it's a little bikini girl or someone that's 50 kilos, depending on what their age is? The BMR, say, is 1,200 calories or something. You multiply mm-hmm. that by all the numbers. But say it is for argument's sake, we can work it out. Say it's one thousand calories as BMR, but that would be super light. You know, it wouldn't be that. But if it, if it was that, multiply that by two point five, then that's two thousand two thousand five hundred calories. So, okay, she might be around eighteen sixteen hundred on a non training day, yep. maybe twenty two training day. Well, it was only twenty five hundred that we said was her max output. Before diminished returns. Before diminished returns start to manifest. It's not, okay, that's it, game over. It's like, no, after that, you get less and less and less, and it becomes this this uh, constrained energy, which makes sense. You can't just do more and more and more because mm. you use all your body fat and drop dead. From an evolutionary standpoint, it makes perfect sense to me. Yes, yes. So, um, but yeah, getting back to what I originally said, that's what Menno is saying, that according to the research and the different scenarios they've looked at, seems to be around that BMR times 2.5, the upper limit of your energy output factoring yes. all your activity you need yes. all that adds up to a point and if it's past 2.5 that's where and you know there might be some coaches out there saying damn you know like I, I saw that in prep you know I was prepping myself and I just did more and more cut and I've experienced and we've spoken about this I just mm. do more and more and more and and a couple of times in when I've been cutting I've just haven't really got much more return on investment it's just like God, I'm doing so much and mm. I just won't get any leaner. This is weird. Yeah. So that would Bearing be Bearing in mind because you'd also have to, over the process of some of those cuts that you've done, I mean, you've lost 
kilos of scale exactly. weight. So you'd have to exactly. keep adjusting that uh-huh. that number. Yep. And then moving from A to B just requires yep. less energy because you're yep. lighter. Yep. Losing muscle mass, okay, less metabolic rate. Yeah. So all those things would influence too. So, so that does get a little little blurry as to where that point might be. But I guess take home message, just be mindful of how much extra activity you're, you're doing or, or recommending to your athletes because there will be a point where after which you know it's it's less puts diminished returns so yes. um you may find that you spin your wheels what do you do well then you look at more caloric manipulation so you've got to drop calories yeah. down further so you know you might have this number in your head if you go past it oh, i'm not going to go past 1500 for females it's like well cool if you can get where you're going to get why not go below 15 mm. but you might at times have to have drop to below that. absolutely yeah. All right, well, let's get deeper. Balls deep. Balls deep. Slapping up against the... Slapping in. Let's go. With uh, Lucid Luke Tullock, uh, groundskeeper Willie. Lunch, Lady Doris. Have you got any grease? Yes. Yes, we do. Then grease me up, woman. Okie (laughs) dokie. You got us that time. Yeah. Lucid Luke from Lucid Health Coaching back in the studio again Mm. today, Rawdon. A.K.A. Groundskeeper Willie. Groundskeeper Willie for, for another um, exciting instalment to uh, upskill and inform and educate. Mm. Mm. On Very the, professional uh, in the, the new podcast. studio. Now, this is a really interesting study and uh, something that probably you run up against more than I do these days mm. with the extremities to which you push your athletes. But we're looking at the concept of the more you do, the more you can burn and how far can you push that cart before uh, you reach diminished returns. Yeah. So it's sort of like um, Luke will elaborate in a second. But, Mm. uh, you know, can we just keep adding uh, more and more output and and reduce input further and further and further? And is is it a linear return on investment? Like, do we keep seeing more and more fat Fat loss? loss? Is that just the answer? Yeah, we're going to do a little bit more. Generally speaking, I think, you know, most of the time that probably is the case. But... But there seems to be a, a good argument for um, it not being the case sometimes. And that's yes. what Luke is going to go into. Certainly mm. there would be, uh, we probably all have an intuition that that was the case. But Lucid, you've got an actual study that uh, might back up those intuitions. Yeah, and these guys actually um, stumbled upon it accidentally. So it's a, it's a really cool study and um, kind of pushes us in a different direction as far as, you know, where are we where are we getting our results from when we're trying to get someone really lean? Mm. Yep. Should we be pushing the output side of things a bit more or should we be maybe focusing a bit more on other things like the input side, you know, in terms of what you're eating? Um, okay. So it's pretty cool. So basically what happened was uh, there were some guys at Harvard who were really interested in, um, you know, how much more energy did our ancestors expend doing daily activities uh, than we do today sitting in an office? And so uh, they kind of went and found a whole bunch of tribes people that still live the traditional lifestyle and thought, oh, well, we'll, we'll measure their energy expenditure and we'll compare it to some office workers in the States. And, and they thought this was probably as close to what it would have been like. like they had they, yeah. pretty traditional. Yeah, so they still get up every day. You know, they go to the watering hole and collect the water and carry yeah. it back and they hunt every day and they gather every day. So they're living traditional lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sure. A lot of steps. Okay. A lot, a, lot of of, a lot of activity. A lot of steps. A lot of neat. A lot of neat. Yeah. Yeah, I think, right. uh, I think they were walking something like 15 k's a day. So yeah, was, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah, a fair yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All yeah. right, so yeah, where do we go from here? Cool. So basically what happened is they went, um, and the, I should say probably the coolest thing about this study is that the methods that they used were the gold standard of everything, yeah. right? So they actually used um, a method called the doubly labeled water method to measure energy expenditure. And basically, it works on the premise that we know exactly how much oxygen and carbon dioxide uh, is um, consumed and produced 
when you create a certain number of, of ATP and a certain amount of calories. And we can use these um, molecular traces to, to measure all of that. So it's a little bit of a complicated uh, way of doing things. It's very, very expensive. And there's only like two machines in the entire United States that can actually analyze this stuff. But it is the absolute gold standard. It's extremely accurate. And that's exactly what the, um, the authors used in this study, which is very cool. Nice. Okay. So what they did is they, uh, they used this method. So they got uh, verified, like scientifically verified uh, accelerometers. So like a GPS type unit with, right. uh, you know, like an activity tracker. They stuck some on some Chicago office workers for a few weeks and measured their energy expenditure. These weren't training. These were just sedentary. Just yeah, just yeah, average person. Um, I think they were like, you know, mainly sedentary but maybe sort of worked out a couple of times a week type right. thing just mm-hmm. average joe average joe uh and then they went to a bunch of different tribes people uh different communities throughout the world so they even actually i think uh they may have had some people in like mexico like construction workers and stuff as well but the main point was they, they kind of compared the chicago office workers to this tribe in northern tanzania that lives traditionally mm-hmm. so uh, these were the people I mentioned that are work, walking like 12 to 15 Ks a day, yep. living very traditionally. And so they they did their whole experiment. They gathered all the data and they came back and said, right, um, let's adjust for their body size. Let's adjust yep. for their gender and just yep. give, get an average of everything. And oh, they expend basically the exact same amount of calories every day. And what was that roughly? Like it, was, it wasn't that much. It was no, like- it was like 20... Yeah, 2400 I think it was uh, 2400 calories off the top of my head it was somewhere in that range on average Mm. Uh, so it wasn't that much and you're going far out like but so they thought oh man we fucked this up yeah like we've stuffed up somewhere when we discussed this it was like oh they're sleeping all day yeah and and then you're like nah they weren't sleeping they weren't sleeping so they went back and they went man we fucked this up how have we fucked it up so they went back and went maybe we collected this stuff wrong no we did it fine no maybe the accelerometers didn't measure things right so they tested that and they went, nah, it's fine. Maybe these guys who are, um, you know, the tribes people, maybe they're just so efficient with, because the, they walk all the time. Maybe mm. they're just like, their movement patterns are super Technique, efficient or yeah. something. Yeah. Nah, exactly the same. Okay, fuck. Okay, so maybe uh, maybe they're just sleeping a lot more than yeah. we do. They actually slept on average seven to eight hours a night. So nothing extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, so they're racking their brains going, well, what could possibly explain this. And so what they landed on was this idea of the constrained energy expenditure model. So the traditional model basically says that if you do one unit of physical activity, you expend one unit of energy expenditure. And so every time you do a unit of physical activity, you're expending the same amount of calories every time. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Makes like it's, it takes a certain amount of calories to do a certain amount of work, right? Yes. But internally in the body, we can actually alter where we're directing all of our energy. So obviously the activity that we do requires a certain input of energy. There's no way of getting around that, but there's a whole lot more going on in the body than just movement. There's the immune system, there's the reproductive system, there's all of our hormonal signaling and blah, 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 blah. I spoke to James Khan about this one and uh, our listeners will know James, pretty savvy med mm. science student. He goes, nah, nah, don't, nah, bullshit. I don't believe that constraint energy because he said, you know, a block of 10 kilos, I've got to move it A to B, gravity, you know, all that sort exactly. of stuff. It, it, X amount of energy. You can't get around that. It, it requires X amount of energy to move. So, exactly. how, and then I said, well, you know, when I was talking to Luke at all the stuff inside, they can preferentially shuttle energy wherever it wants, you know, and if there's a demand, but the environment isn't there, then it will, like, you, like you're elaborating now, it will conserve energy elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. And so this means that past a certain point which we don't exactly know what that is 
um, the body's going to start redirecting where it spends energy. And so it might start conserving the energy that it's going to spend on things like mainly the immune system and the reproductive system seems to be the main areas where it will sort of start to pull back a little bit. So the scientists basically went, uh, you know, they, they went back and worked on this theory and they, they did a bunch of work on primates and they did a bunch of work on rats and, and that type of stuff. So for to give you an example, animals in captivity that, that basically don't move around as much uh, expend roughly the same amount of energy as animals in the wild. So they actually did some work on some primates like chimpanzees and stuff and yeah. found, oh, okay, their energy expenditure is the same. That's weird. Um, they got some rats in a lab and they basically made them exercise constantly throughout the day and had others <laughs> that were just kind of sitting in a cage and like, oh, okay, their energy expenditure is roughly similar too. So it's preserved across a bunch of different species. And so mm. it seems that it might be some kind of uh, evolved survival mechanism to yes. preserve energy, right? Because let's say you're out, you know, you're a tribes person. Mm-hmm. You got to try and hunt down some animal or whatever, and you know you got to spend a heap of energy to get water, build a shelter, mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe migrate your camp somewhere, maybe hunt some animals, whatever it is. Um, you know, at past a certain point, you're going to be expending so much energy that you probably just run out and then die unless your body had some kind of mechanism for going right well let's pull back on energy expenditure on some other less important stuff right now Mm. so we can spend Mm. it on all of this physical activity Mm. and that seems to be what's happening so once you hit a certain point doing more activity doesn't actually mean your overall energy expenditure goes up very much so you start getting diminishing returns yes so we can directly see how this might start affecting our prescription when we're talking about you know comp prep or getting people very lean or whatever it means that you know if you're throwing someone into uh you know fifteen thousand steps a day they're they're training five times a week whatever it is you know giving them another two thousand steps a day is not going to yield the same results that it did way back early in the prep when yeah. they were walking 5,000 steps a day and you went, right, let's increase it to 10,000. You get a big result and you go, fuck yeah. You know, now you're at 15,000 and they've stalled and you go, well, what can we do? Well, what worked really well last time is we gave him an extra 5,000 steps to do. Yeah. So you do the same thing again and lo and behold, not that much happens. And you're going, yeah. well, why is that? It worked really well before. And I think a lot of our listeners would agree with that. You know, there seems to be that uh, that point, yeah, where you've got to do more and more and more to get a yep. similar progression on what you 100%. did previously it's very interesting well it's it's good to have i guess an understanding or a, of the mechanism that's going on here mm. that that life in general has some sort of narrow-ish constraint of energy expenditure yeah and if you say you take someone from a low a base of low level activity and give them activity then energy expenditure will pick up mm. um, but only to a certain point take someone who's very active and give them more and all these conservation mechanisms come in place to keep them within this channel. And, and if you, yep. No, I was just going to say that um, it, it, potentially, like the, it, it's yeah. not a, a absolute, this is always yes. going to happen. Yes. And I spoke to Menno, obviously our listeners will know that, that I've done a lot with Menno, and, and he said, look, it's it, animal research, it, mm. time and time again, like uh, Luke reference, but he said there's only been a few studies where they've seen it in humans, but he said for the adaptive um, not the constraint, but the adaptive energy expenditure, which pretty much is what Luke uh, explained at the start, one for one. Mm. There's a lot of research to say that does exist and, and you know, that most of the time that is going to be what's happening. That is the happened. reason, yeah. But in this situation, now they're, they're sort of questioning, oh, they're questioning whether the there is other um, scenarios at play. At but play, but, right. but more yeah. often than not, you, you, your investment of, generally speaking, doing more is going to yield 
the outcome, albeit, yep. you know, potentially it won't be like when we started the, the cutting yeah. phase. You do have to do more and more and more. Yes. And adaptive thermogenesis probably comes into that. I want to cover that um, sure. probably in our next topic that we're going to cover. But yeah, um, sure. but yeah, so don't uh, don't think that, oh my God, well, we can only push for a bit and then time out, we're going to have to pull back mm. and, and, and less is more and all this type of stuff. I think you're definitely that scenario. But like in my experience, I've seen it, you know, obviously – a handful of times but more often than not it's going to be you do more you're going to get more mm. of a return on investment yeah. yes i guess if you think about the case example this uh tribe in tanzania mm. i mean that's as pretty much as extreme an example as you can For find sure. that amount of activity with a probably a genetic predisposition that's been mm. handed down and evolved yeah. over time yes very interesting and i guess if you think about the animals as well I guess that's why reproduction happens in cycles around seasons when food is plentiful so they can live their existence, uh, compromising immune system and reproduction, doing what they need to do to get by. And then when the fruit is plenty, mm. then they uh, the pressure's off and they can all start mating and they get yeah. on they go for it. They get on heat and yeah. you know, it all gets exciting. <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. But I think what it speaks to is maybe just um, planning properly. You know, so like at the start of a prep, don't throw all of your all of your toys in at once and use everything at once, right? Like mm. there's a place where you can strategically use things, knowing that yeah, we've still got some headroom to work with here. Um, however, if you're starting, you know, 10 weeks out and you've got 20,000 steps a day and an hour of cardio and you're training in the where gym for go? an hour as well, it's like, yeah, you've got nowhere to go, right? Yeah. Um, which means that you've got nothing left and you're probably not going to get much return even if you do add more. All right, so is that the... Because uh, we don't want to dangle the carrot and say, well, guys, you're pretty much screwed if this is happening. So, <laughs> so we do want to actually give our listeners a bit of a, an insight into to how we can get around that. So, mm. okay, perfect world. And this is what Broderick says as well. Like, well, that's just because you're screwed up as a coach. You yeah. know, like you didn't, you didn't <laughs> yeah. work it out. You did too much too soon or, or whatever. Played, all, mm. like you said, all, all your cards at once. So, yeah, uh, perfect planning. Okay, that's a real world. That's what we we all hope we do but Mm -hmm. that's not always the case we're x amount of time away from d-day you know things still need to be what can our listeners i mean what sort of scenarios can we actually um look at to to get past that point i mean do we have because again i've spoken to men about this and he said well he sort of just shrugged and said well they've just got to do more and more and more they're the yeah. ones that do have to end up doing four hours of cardio a day and eat you know a thousand calories to actually Mate, get I think to the so. finish line you know what like you're going to have situations where it's like i mean it goes around a lot in the industry today like oh you know these people were ruined by their last prep they were eating yeah. you know a thousand calories a day and doing all this cardio it's like mate sometimes that is necessary for some people yeah. you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. and it is for a short period of time and we all know that going through a prep is not healthy Exactly. Uh, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be really fucking hard. Yep. Your body's not going to want to get that lean. Yep. Uh, you're essentially, it's competitive hunger. You know what mm. I mean? Like it's going to suck. Starvation. So, yeah, competitive it is. Starvation exactly. You know, so um, certainly not advocating of like being too conservative as a coach. And sometimes you're going to have to go like, look, we don't have an option but mm. to give you an extra half an hour of cardio a day. Yep. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um, you know, so again, yeah, let's let's be real. Uh, this is an extreme scenario. Yes. Prep is always an extreme scenario. Yes. Um, so we're not talking about gen pop fat loss. We're talking not about really. those last, okay, they're down to 10%. You want to yeah, get 10%. and you know what? Some people have come in and interpreted this as like, oh, well, we shouldn't really be focusing on activity to get people lean. And I think that's wrong because yeah. you, not only do you get energy expenditure from activity, but you get a whole bunch of other benefits from yes. activity. You know, giving yes. people more steps per day 
has mental health benefits, cardiovascular yeah, benefits, 100%. all that type of stuff. Weight training obviously has its unique benefits. Yep. So certainly I'm not advocating going, well, let's not focus on activity at all and only focus on their food intake. I certainly think that being as active as possible is always going to be the better way to go. Well, referencing back to our last segment that we covered with you, I mean, the, the electrotransport chain, like why yeah. don't we upregulate that, do a little bit more 100%. cardio and all that stuff, all the 100%. machinery. And that's something that, that if you recall, um, Brod's Tommy, he will often say, you know, it takes a little while to get all that machinery. I mean, yes. he, he puts it in very layman's terms. Well, mm. look, I mean, the en- enzymatic pathways have to upregulate. You know, the machinery has to switch on. And that's one of the reasons why he doesn't like doing refeed periods because it starts, you know, switching off various mm. pathways. And like I said, we'll cover that um, on another topic. But, um, but yeah, that's what uh, – and it's nice to know that – I mean, not that, you know, your skill set is more profound on physiology and biology than Broads is. I mean, he's probably just dumbing it down for the rest of us. But yep. there are, like you pointed out previously, uh, you know, enzymatic pathways that do become far more efficient the more of that Definitely. energy system we use. So. Definitely. And how dependent is uh, body fat levels in reaching those points of diminished returns? I mean, you've got someone, yeah. someone mm-hmm. who's very overweight and they've been doing a million things all at once and eating very little, but there's still a lot of body fat. Yeah. Do they come up against these walls? Yeah, I mean, like I think, you know, like Rawdon said, sometimes it's just a factor of time. I think people mm. get impatient sometimes, you know what I mean? It's like when I make a change to someone's diet personally, working with General Pop, uh, you know, I go, right, you got to stick to that for two weeks minimum. Yep. Uh, I'm not interested in what your scale says after a week. I don't care. Yep. Uh, give us at least two weeks and maybe longer. The fact of the matter is if you are doing a lot of activity and you aren't eating an excessive amount, like the body fat will come down. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, with that said, obviously the leaner you get, the harder it's going to be to keep burning body fat. You're body's just not going to want to do it Mm. um you know so i think it's uh, you know in a general prop sense i don't think you're really going to run into problems you know what i mean um if someone's saying that they're not eating that much or they're moving heaps and they're still like grossly overweight there's some kind of communication issue happening either they are uh misreporting and you know probably unintentionally because that happens a lot mm. um, or they're just misunderstanding what you're telling them to do you know yeah. like they're, they're not weighing something or they're yeah. not you know whatever mm. uh, lost in translation I think you're talking about what you often hear in the industry is the the fitness bunny they're doing all the cardio and they're but they're still out of shape but they're not like oh. fat fat out of shape they're like no, exactly. okay they look sort of like there's weird shit going on and and I think that and, and let, no, your, let me know your thoughts on this I think there's definitely a um a cortisol mediated total stress load yep. that that seems to manifest as a and I know Lyle mm. and I spoke to Broads about it and Lyle's the go-to guy but unfortunately fortunately we burnt that bridge and he'll never <laughs> ever 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 talk to me again so but, has but anyway yeah <laughs> but he he's like uh, he'll talk about this um, you know this water swoosh I think he calls it mm. but, but you lower stress and and that's where I think those refit periods and stuff can be uh, advantageous is they, yeah. they drop total stress load and then it's not that you're a super coach and you know you've magically you know beat the the laws of human biology and physiology and you've induced fat loss it is you know you've changed body composition so there's been a, a, a dramatic water yeah. shift due to total stress being suppressed for a period of time so I, I think that that you know that scenario where they mm. are and they and, and often they can still be burning burning fat, fat. you yeah. know it's yeah. just that they yeah. can't see it because yeah. there's just this, exactly this 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 
uh, water offensive fluid. Yeah, this mm. is this this yeah. And I mean, like, look, it's also gonna, it's so much like visually that goes on. Like, you know, if someone's got a ton of muscle, I mean, that could be like fifteen percent body fat, but look shredded just because they're that jacked. Yes. Or you know, they get good lighting, or the distribution yeah. of body fat's just favorable. Yeah. Like yes. my abs show up quite easily for me so i can quite easily be 15 percent body fat and look like i got a big six pack mm. and i'm like 10 percent, but mm. i'm not you know what i mean yeah well, mm. maybe with the with, the, with, the, with, the, yeah. with the calves and the arms shredded veins everywhere oh you must be shredded yeah I'm yeah shredded. yeah <laughs> no yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah yeah totally so you know it's i think the big thing with this research is that it's sparked uh you know a debate and and an interest in it and this was done in 2012 by the yeah. way so, you know, it, there's more research going on. These guys have followed up. There's uh, the, the lead author is, his name is Herman Ponza. And he did a, a good... Uh, he sounds like a lead author. He does. From Harvard, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Professor Ponza. And he's done a, um, a good podcast on Sigma Nutrition, just explaining yep. his research, um, which is quite a good listen. But I think like really the takeaway for us is that there is more research coming. It's something to yes. bear in mind. And as far as applicability... Uh, within what we're doing it's just something to kind of keep in the back yes. of your mind and understand that it's a little bit more complex than like do more work equals more mm. energy expenditure necessarily and there may be a scenario where, where you're going to get that point of diminished returns yeah for sure for sure mm. all right cool. i think one final takeaway rawdon you should invest in one of those gps uh, mm. accelerometers or yeah. whatever they are for, <laughs> for, your, for, for your athletes, athletes. well yeah. i mean look uh, luke uh, uh, chuckle and, and you know uh, our listeners know that I, that I tend to do things you know I practice what i preach and uh, remember that time <laughs> when uh, you know because it was sort of like okay hmm, x amount of energy spent but i'm, I'm getting lighter so hmm, how can i increase that <laughs> yeah i wear a backpack so i remember i had the the, the 20 liter <laughs> yeah. bottle of, i think it was a, a 10 liter yeah. 10 liter yeah. cask in my backpack i bought yes. this cheap backpack and i was just going for a walk luke and, I, <laughs> and then i said see you guys and everyone's watching me leave lift and I'm, <laughs> our, our, our lunch break but yeah it was, uh, was hilarious yeah, yeah it was quite funny it. it was very funny uh, it, was, it was very uh, scientific tom <laughs> professor dubious <laughs> yeah, excellent from uh Henry Kendall, high school. Well, there he is, Lucid, once again, uh, illuminating and understandable. Very good. Thanks, man. Cheers, man. There he was. He uh, was. Lucid Luke Tullock. It's always a pleasure to have him. It's Flex Luke Tullock. I'm just, I'm used to it. I've done it so many times. He's Groundskeeper Willie. He'll always be Groundskeeper Willie to us. He's got a uh, a wonderful method of breaking down complex human physiology into easily understandable stuff. He's great. Digestible. And we, you know, he's he's a good friend. Good friend of the podcast. He's got a fiery red beard and he's jacked, so we like him for those reasons too. Very much so. Now uh, we better start wrapping things up, Rawdon. You've got a um, you've got a very antsy uh, <laughs> client circling downstairs, circling. waiting for you. Okay, anyone that wants to get in touch with you, TomHewitt.com.au, and for myself, just Instagram, social media. You can Google the uh, the, the website, but there's nothing there, so no. probably Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in once again. We value you highly. Yes. See you next time. Bye. Let's go.